We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. Uh, A follow-up to the popular last episode, which was episode 243. I called that Ancient Sabbath Reviews. This is called Ancient Zeppelin Reviews. Uh, Same sort of idea. Uh, This took a lot of work. Man, um... I almost, uh, my voice is actually a little hoarse because I had to speak into my voice recognition software. I was looking for all these Led Zeppelin reviews and found lots and lots of, uh, you know, vintage reviews of Led Zeppelin albums that brought up some interesting points. Again, like the Sabbath one, it's some people getting it right, some people uh, getting it wrong. I may do another episode of this uh, because I'm focusing this one on the four, first four albums and what people possibly could say about Led Zeppelin. Um, what I like about this episode is, um, you know, the Sabbath essentially starts in 1970. This starts in 69, with a lot of it taking place in 69. So you really get this uh, unfurling of this crazy uh, band after the British blues boom. And uh, and what can you say about this sort of band? So we're going to read between the lines here a little bit on these uh, reviews. I'm just going to, of, co- of course, not read whole reviews, just give you highlights that I thought was kind of interesting. And again, we're going to be comparing it to... Um, bands that uh, are being compared to in these uh, these interview or these reviews as well so yeah let's take a listen to our first selection here this is Jeff Beck with let me love you Right, so that was from the Jeff Beck album Truth, uh, which is July 29th, 1968, um, and uh, Led Zeppelin 1 is January 12th, 1969. So we're talking about a a, uh, six-month gap here, and uh, people are always talking about this album. Um, Boy, I'm thinking it's a little overrated. We'll get to that a little bit later, but, you know, Rod Stewart on vocals uh, is pretty important, but... um, 
Yeah, so let's look at a couple of these reviews. Uh, a review entitled uh, Vinyl Verbosities, a Friday, January 31st, 1969, uh, in the sheath by Larry Gelman, says that Yardbirds during their existence seem to have been a spawning ground for excellent guitarist Eric Clapton went on to cream. Jeff Beck formed his own group, and their album Truth was one of the better of that breed during 1968. So people were noticing that uh, there was at least something lively enough or different uh, putting it beyond the British blues boom with the Truth album. Uh, then he says, now it is Jimmy Page's turn. Led Zeppelin's first album shows the effects of Page's long experience as a guitarist, backup musician, and record producer. It is an excellent album, well produced, and utilizing some rather effective stereo effects. So uh, this guy's pointing out uh, that they are doing some interesting new things uh, on here. Uh, the cuts are mainly five to eight minutes long, but they never become tedious, as so many records of so many groups have become. Uh, and I, you know, I think that's uh, firmly, uh, you know, a reference to the fact that this that this blues boom music is not that interesting. And Led Zeppelin are bringing some pyrotechnics, some liveliness. You think of how many more times? Uh, yeah, well, that one. Yeah, um, good times, bad times, and communication breakdown sort of thing. Um, Let's see. Felix Dennis from Oz, uh, March 1969, says, uh, Very occasionally, uh, a long-playing record is released that defies immediate classification. So that's interesting. So he's looking at this as being quite remarkable and different. Um, obviously, from the heaviness and the heft and the speed and the, the variety on here and the folk. I'm reading between the lines, but that's kind of what I think he's saying. A couple of things he says later, which are, are kind of funny. Um uh, Page does things with an electric guitar that might uh, feebly be described as bewildering. Uh, good to listen to Plant with his ugly, angry vocals. Um, you know, we, we think of these as pretty tame vocals now, but uh, at the time, uh, you know, ugly and angry uh, is used to describe them. Uh, let's see. Um, of course, as a result of this album, we'll lose the group to the States. Uh, quite pro prophetic there. They became a big touring act in the States. And almost certainly within the month, uh, the Melody uh, Maker Letters uh, will be headlining Is Page Better Than God? That's a, that's a reference to the Eric Clapton is God uh, trope that would, uh, would go around. Um, John Mendelssohn in Rolling Stone, uh, March 15th, 1969, said, uh, the popular formula in England is this, uh, the, is this the aftermath of such a successful British bluesman as Cream and John Mayle? So again, we're moving on from uh, very... John Mayo's much closer to British blues boom, but Cream, you know, was just kind of noisy. And ah, as we talked about in the last episode, Cream's pretty overrated, I think. Um, seemed to be uh, add to an excellent guitarist, a competent rhythm section, and pretty and a pretty soul belter who can do a good spade imitation. Oh, there's there's some uh, politically incorrect um, uh, words for you there uh, in Rolling Stone. Uh, let's see. The latest the British Blues group is so conceived. Uh, uh, is, uh, the Jeff Beck group. Uh, okay. British Blues group so conceived offers little that its twin, the Jeff Beck group, didn't say as well or better three months ago. And the excesses of the Beck group's Truth album, most notably it's self-indulgence and restrictedness. So th that's interesting because it is more self-indulgent and it is more restricted. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see what else he says. Uh, Prissy, Robert Plant's howled vocals fronting an acoustic guitar and driving choruses of the band running down a four-chord progression 
while John Bonham smashes his cymbals on every beat. In their willingness to waste their considerable talent on unworthy material, uh, the Zeppelin has produced an album which is sadly reminiscent of truth. So this guy, John Mendelssohn, is literally saying that he thinks truth is still the better album. Uh, it would seem that if they're uh, to help fill the void created by the demise of Cream, they will have to find a producer and editor and some material worthy of their collective attention. So he's saying the production isn't good, and I've read many other things saying the production is good, um, and I think it is really good for early 1969, and some material worthy of their collective attention. So he's saying the material isn't very good. But when you look at Jeff Beck Truth, um, you've got shapes of things uh, on there. You've got uh, the, the original that we played, but you've also got Morning Dew, which is a cover. you got You Shook Me, which is a cover. Zeppelin as well. Uh, Old Man River, which is a cover. you got Greensleeve Traditional. You've got another original in Rock My Plimsoul. You've got Bex Bolero, credited Jimmy Page. You've got Blues Deluxe, uh, new original Jeff Beck, uh, Rod Stewart, and I Ain't Superstitious, a Willie Dixon cover. So, man, I, I don't think truth uh, holds up at all. Uh, finally, I just wanted to mention Melody Maker, Chris Welch, says, their material does not rely on obvious blues riffs although when they do play them they avoid the emaciated feebleness of most so-called British blues bands so there you go uh, this is basically a new hard-hitting exciting new version uh, of uh, the whole blues set situation let's take a short break we'll be right back we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Alright, back again here. Uh, on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, this is Ancient Zeppelin Reviews. Um, let's take a listen to our next selection here, and we shall discuss. This is Blue Cheer with Second Time Around. All right, the bruising blue cheer from Vincibus Eruptum, January 16th, 1968. Um, and uh, I'm playing that because it does get reference here. Let's see, Billboard, November 8th, 1969. Those those short business-like reviews they do with a little bit of a, you know, a... Um, a music business uh, tilt to these things just says that the second volume of Led Zeppelin should do even better than the first. The group has become a well-integrated force with a driving rock power, both in instrumental and vocal treatment, especially got a whole lot of love, Moby Dick, living, loving maid. She's just a woman and thank you. Um, Disc and music echo uh, says that uh, Led Zeppelin two. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, oh yeah. In, uh, in a recent interview with Disc, Robert Plant said he thought Led Zeppelin weren't a heavy group. One would suggest he listen to his latest offering and think again. Of course, uh, I should have mentioned this, but the theme here is we're on to Led Zeppelin too, right? Um, but that's pretty funny. So so we're already getting the idea of these heavy metal guys not wanting to call themselves heavy metal. Um, so Robert Plant is saying, we're not even a heavy group, right? Um, let's see, it's superbly heavy, dynamic, driving, and exciting. 
Very good there. I think he's hitting the marks. It's difficult, nay impossible, to capture stage excitement completely on record, but Led Zeppelin come very near to it. Uh, tracks on side one tend to be rather too long, but on side two, tracks are cut off very abruptly as if time was running out if they were to squeeze all nine tracks in. Thank you stands as a, as a real tear-jerking track. And on the last track, Bring It On Home, uh, Plant does a remarkable lead belly with superb ability harmonica. Jimmy Page's guitar work is brilliant throughout. So he's kind of getting it, uh, getting the point. Uh, again, um, not really coming off with the excitement level that this is a really sort of dynamic, interesting, pretty heavy band. You know, for November uh, for or for late set uh, 69 right it is pretty heavy right uh, John John Mendelson reviews the album for Rolling Stone December 13th 69 I just bolded a few things here uh, let's see uh, Page is the absolute number one heaviest white blues guitarist between 5.4 and 5.8 in the world again um, you know the the guitar hero wars were sort of going here and it's it's you know, he's definitely Eric Clapton is the guy that's always uh, compared to, but there isn't really much of a war because I don't think any of these guys are that incredibly exciting, right? Um, Whole Lot of Love, which opens the album, has to be the heaviest thing I've run across, or more accurately, that's run across me uh, since Parchment Farm on Vincibus Eruptum. So that's why I played Blue Cheer, and he's, and he's right. I mean, it's super heavy, but um, then he goes, like, I listened to the break, Jimmy wrenching some simply... Uh, uh, indescribable sounds out of his axe while your stereo goes ape shit on some heavy on some heavy Vietnamese weed and very nearly had my mind blown and then he goes on hey I know what you're thinking that's not very objective but dig I also listened to a mescaline some old Romalar Novocaine and grew and ground up fusion uh, and it was just as mind-boggling as before. I must admit, I haven't listened to it straight yet. I don't think a group this heavy is best enjoyed that way. A lot of these reviews, man, uh, the reviews of Led Zeppelin 2, one thing I noticed is they all talk about that psychedelic breakdown in, in a whole lot of love. It's crazy. Um, anyways, he goes on, Robert Plant, who is rumored to sing some notes on this record that only dogs can hear. So he's recognizing that Robert Plant is a new style, you know, high, high up singer. Uh, later on, he goes, and then... There's Moby Dick, which will be for John Bonham what Toad had been for Baker. Of course, you know, Toad was a famous drum solo type song, and they're saying this is his version of that. John demonstrates on this track that he had half a mind. If he had half a mind, he could shut down Baker even without sticks, as most of his intriguing solo is done with bare hands. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's getting that right. I mean, John Bonham's just a way, a way cooler, way better uh, drummer. Uh, then, uh, then Ginger Baker was. Um, so let's move on to our third selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Rolling Stones with "Live with Me." Don't you think there's a place for you? Hey, this is from Let It Bleed. November 28th, 69. Led Zeppelin 2 is October 22nd, 69. So uh, it's interesting. The Stones, um, they're going to get compared to in a second here, but the Stones, uh, even uh, after Led Zeppelin 2, um, are still sounding like an older style band. They're much more of a traditional band than, than Led Zeppelin is, uh, obviously. So uh, the theme here is just I've got a little bit more Led Zeppelin 2 for you here. The Harvard Crimson, December 3rd, 69, uh, by Chris Rochester says, although Led Zeppelin draws upon such blues wellsprings as Robert Johnson and Willie Dixon, it does not make its debts 
it, uh, its originality. While Led Zeppelin is not so uh, uh, resonantly lyrical as the Beatles, or self-consciously evangelical as Jefferson Airplane, or menacing and clever, cleverly crude as the Rolling Stones, it never, nevertheless produces a more puissant and unmannered sound than any of these more famous groups. Um, so I would say that it's more mannered than the Rolling Stones. It's funny, mentions evangelical and Jeff, Jefferson Airplane and resonant lyrically. So still, you know, the big gods are being, um, you know, Zeppelin, what else can you compare to in, in 69? So you get Jefferson Airplane, Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Um, let's see, uh, Led Zeppelin, like the, like the very few excellent groups, plays with neither tediousness or superfluidity. Um, the essence of the group is superior playing of a propulsive character controlled by imagination and a firm sense of structure from degenerating into an assault of unending tour de force. So again, I think he's hinting at the fact that there's just been way too much jamming in the British blues boom and Zeppelin is kind of pushing things forward with a little bit of energy. Um, let's see, uh, the UCL Daily Bruin, December 3rd, 69 by Kind of Rambling Jim. Um, in a article entitled a review titled more or less another rock monstrosity um, just read the bolded bits here but the first album showed them to be a brash slightly altered British blues band uh, with then uh, un with an unmitigated screamer Robert Plant so again recognizing that there's a new energetic style of singing going on here sounding like a fuller body Terry Reed and making himself unavoidably obvious. So yes, he's a showboating singer. Uh, he's making himself obvious. And remember, Terry Reed almost ended up in Led Zeppelin. Page did a few good things, the best of which were totally atypical to the group's sound, but for all intents and purposes, Led Zeppelin, in its limited experimental modes and noisy blues styles, was not nearly as interesting as the Yardbirds has sometimes been. Um, so here's the here's the romanticizing the past. To say that the Yardbirds were anywhere near as creative as Zeppelin, I think, is, is a little crazy. Uh, but basically saying kind of the Yardbirds were better. And then he goes, still, they sold a lot more albums. And then he puts in brackets trite comparisons. So so do the Iron Butterfly and Tom Jones. Uh, that's an that's an interesting reference to the fact that their psychedelic rock and pop is still huge. If you look at the charts back then, pop is all over the place, and Tom Jones represents uh, that type of pop from back then. Um, Later on, he says, as one former DB critic has said, it's enough to drive your stereo ape shit. Except for Thank You, which is not Led Zeppelin style either. Too subdued and ramble on, which almost succeeds in, in compromising their heavy-handedness uh, with the melody. The remainder of the album is not memorable. So he's basically saying it's not a very good album. And then he goes later, on Bring It On Home, one can hear Plant trying to sing through a harmonica so as to louse up his diction and make himself sound more like an old black blues singer. Led Zeppelin, while providing themselves with, with much revenue, generally do not impress on an artistic level. They just assault the senses rather blatantly. Maybe if one's head is in the mood for that, they are appropriate. The, they serve best as whipping boys for picayune rock critics who would rather listen to the Who or the Birds. That they show signs of wanting to retaliate physically, not musically, is the only possible thing to worry about. So yeah, the Birds were very much on people's minds still back then, uh, and the Who are, are a massive band. Um, but he's basically saying, this is too heavy. Um, and, you know, you think of other heavy things around the time. It's, it's, it's actually more noisy and annoying. This is a very disciplined heavy album. Um, so it's kind of strange. Um, 
Okay, let's move on here. Category uh, four is three, Led Zeppelin three. Um, take a listen to our track here. This is the Faces with Around the Plinth. Got a fear of death that creeps on every night. No, I won't die soon, but then again, I might. Water down the drain, I'm wasting away. Doctors can't help me, those of them Okay, so this is the faces moving on from the small faces. Uh, this song gets uh, gets referenced here, and so it's it's kind of interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, this is from the faces' first step, March twenty seventh, nineteen seventy. Led Zeppelin three is October nineteen seventy. Um, so this review I'm about to read is referencing something from you know uh, six months or so earlier. From the Virginia Military Institute, Lexington, Virginia, Friday, November 13th, 1970. Um, Led up in three is a collection of the group's usual heavy rock cuts. Yet the listener, so he's, he's kind of, you know, glossing over the fact this is a much lighter album. Yet the listener is treated to a taste of blues and country. There it comes between a spangled pinwheel cover of symbolic art kind of like that uh lead singer robert plant wails forth a dynamic blues piece in since i've been loving you one of the album's best cuts um so this is kind of interesting um people still have um tolerance for kind of straight blues songs right um it's still fresh enough that uh someone could call that the best cut tangerine zeppelin's first country song in quotes is a great display of country guitar harmony um kind of true kind of is a country song gallows poll shows jimmy page's unmatched knack for treating a traditional song as its tempo will grab you and tease you with the new use of banjo an arrangement of hats off to roy harper is particularly strong in page's use of slide guitar and is almost reminiscent of ron wood's around the plinth so that's the faces and it is ron wood and as you just heard sounds a lot like hats off to roy harper um the seasoned Zeppelin admirer will not be let down in his thirst for heavy cuts. Immigrant Song, Celebration Day, and Out on the Tiles are three super selections that bring out the heaviest of Led Zeppelin sounds. Page rivals any guitarist today, uh, while Plant seems to have matured to his best efforts. Led Zeppelin 3 is a dynamite album. It'll grow on you uh, the more you sample it. Um, Lord Fuzzworth um is the uh title of another review from the ncu technician november 13th 1970 written by david swing uh let's see the bolded part says uh, their third album is currently number one in the nation and they have been picked above the beatles as the world's top group by melody maker one of Brit uh, britain's leading papers the beatles held the spot for eight consecutive years so we've got a a changing of the guard here um I thought this was funny. Um, guy really didn't like the Friends song. He says, in fact, this number is not typical anybody. It stinks. It is overdone orchestration on top of boring acoustic guitar on top of Robert Plant trying out a 1930s style, uh, which doesn't make it <laughs> kind of funny. Um, so uh, eventually he goes on to say, uh, let's see, the number really impressed me is Bronyar Stomp. I've seen that in a couple of reviews. People really like Bronyar Stomp. Uh, this is a nice, happy folk song that Zeppelin does surprisingly well. They even add some old-fashioned hand clapping, a nice gesture, don't you think? Uh, and it ends with, uh, so Led Zeppelin moves on. The album is not great and definitely not good enough to be number one. But it shows Led Zeppelin is experimenting in other areas. And if they come up with something good, even one cut like Bronyar Stomp, 
it should be appreciated for what it's worth wow so this guy's basically picking out that one song as uh as the the good song on here uh new musical express a couple of things to mention here that i thought were interesting um october 10th 1970 immigrant song uh is a doomy uh, kind of cool mentions doom uh, up tempo piece reminiscent of the doors for its pounding backbeat uh, includes a strange crying guitar straight out of bally high uh, out on out on the tiles uh, side closer isn't one of the best tracks sounds highly reminiscent of something marriott and lane might have written for small faces kind of weird um because I because that's a pretty modern sounding heavy metal song. Uh, let's see. And then he says a goosey guitar and bongos lead into friends. Jimmy Page disturbing some eerie chords, which coupled with the flex of strings, choral fades, lays a feeling of impending occurrences. A good song uh, with just a touch of the Moody's about it. So he's mentioning the Moody Blues. Kind of interesting, right? Mellotron. Uh, a strange grinding fade unwinds into the next track, Celebration Day, which is either a horrible cacophony or a subtle interplay, depending on your head and the number of listenings. I, I think it's a subtle interplay. I've always called that one of my favorite Led Zeppelin riffs. I think it's kind of cool and complicated. Um, all right, let's move on. Take a listen to our fifth track here. Boy, we never play these guys, do we? Jefferson Airplane, Triad. Are you and me? You both stand there, you're All right, so that's from Crown of Creation, August 1968. The category here is Led Zeppelin IV. Um, let's see, heading in the right direction, says Peter Hanninen. Led Zeppelin offers a few surprises on this, their fourth recording. Page finally delves into the melodic potential of the acoustic guitar. It's kind of interesting. There was much more acoustic on three, but I think he's getting at the fact that maybe uh, all the guitar parts are even better here, um, which I never really thought of, but it's kind of true. Um, it is more creative, right? On one particular cut, the Battle of Evermore, the acoustic mandolin effect uh, is so overwhelming that the heavy lads sound strikingly like the folky side of Jefferson Airplane. Of course, Sandy Denny on backing vocals helps to create this impression. The gem, and I do mean gem of the album, is a rather interesting competition entitled Stairway to Heaven. Then he goes on and does this, this huge, long sort of description of Stairway to Heaven. But in the main, um, all the Zeppelin IV uh, reviews I saw do not really pick this song out above any others uh, on this album. And uh, as we all know, it's it's turned into this absolute great classic kind of thing, right? Um Let's see, another number going to California features some more clean, crisp singing and adequate, tasty acoustic uh, axe work, but it lacks the musical buildup and interest uh, it lacks the musical buildup um that is well, okay i might have got this wrong but but he's saying it's it doesn't have as much as stairway to heaven does unfortunately the majority of the material on this album is tiring deja vu zeppelin rock <laughs> so this is a negative review of led zeppelin 4 which is kind of funny uh page drills incessant rock riffs while plant screams as if someone had cut his testicles off with black dog here we have the common popular music of the group uh, pounding astoundingly repetitive sonic assault which is kind of weird because that's a very sophisticated complicated riff for early heavy metal as far back as 1971 right uh, for more examples of the same please refer to rock and roll misty mountain hop and four sticks oh well at least page and plant with the inclusion of stairway to heaven are heading in the right direction there you go 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Led Zeppelin lives, exclamation mark, says Dick Lynch. Um, let's see. He says, um, uh, this album includes some upbeat and downbeat pieces, but virtually no acoustic music. So he's he's saying, well, there isn't much. And it's kind of true. It's obviously less than the other one. Uh, let's see. Uh, although the album only has eight cuts, each is very good. You're literally blasted with music. Starting with Black Dog on side one, moving right along into rock and roll. The songwriting talents, uh, again, demonstrate complete with offbeat ending. Uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, side two is even better, starting out with Misty Mountain Hop, which is probably the best cut on a very good album. So it's just a very good album for this guy. And he says it's Misty Mountain Hop. Uh, he doesn't even mention Stairway to Heaven in his review. Uh, let's see. Um, I guess the thing that impressed me most about this album is its tremendous continuity. That is uh, the way each cut, cut follows the preceding one so smoothly. So he's liking the sequencing going from hard to soft to semi-hard and back to hard again without destroying the musical content by abrupt transitions. Interesting. Um, this is without a doubt the best of their four albums. Okay, so he's saying it is the best one. Um, let's see, Lenny Kay from the Patti Smith Group, right? Writing for Rolling Stone, uh, December 23rd, 71, writes... Um, uh, let's see, what is the best part to read? Oh, it's, okay. One of the ways in which this is demonstrated, the sheer variety of the album. Out of eight cuts, there isn't one that steps on another's toes. So he's mentioning kind of the same thing. Uh, the sequencing, the moving from one thing. That's kind of neat. Uh, nothing steps on another one's toes. And that's kind of true. Every single song on Zeppelin Four is quite different from each other, right? Uh, that tries to do too much all at once. That's good, too. Uh, he's saying that uh, every song kind of has a theme and uh, and more or less sticks to that theme. Obviously, Stairway to Heaven, I guess, would be the... Uh, uh, the exception, there are old English ballads, Battle of Evermore, with lovely performance by Sandy Denny, a kind of pseudo-blues just to keep in touch, Four Sticks, interesting, just to keep in touch with their blues boom roots. Um, a pair of authentic Zeppelin mania, Black Dog and Misty Mountain Hop, some stuff that I might actually call shy and poetic if, I, if it didn't carry itself off so well, Stairway to Heaven and going to California. So he's saying it's not shy because it carries itself off so well. So there's a lot of confidence, I guess. Um, and a couple of songs that when all is said and done will probably be right up there in the gold start hierarchy of put them on and play them again. The first coyly titled Rock and Roll is Led Zeppelin's slightly late attempt at tribute to the mother of us all. Uh, that's kind of neat. He's calling this a late tribute to rock and roll. Um, by 71, we had we had gone through a little bit of a rock and roll revival already. Um, there's going to be another one later in the 70s, but it's kind of funny um, that... Um, and Glam is going to have a little bit of a rock and roll revival too. That, there might be a, an episode there, right, of History and Five Songs, the, the various uh, rock and roll revivals that we've had, right? Um, but it's kind of neat. Uh, but here it's definitely a case of better late than never. This son of a bitch moves with plant music, musing vocally on how it's been a long, 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 lonely, lonely time since he last rock and roll. The rhythm section soaring underneath. There's some bad writing there, soaring underneath, right? Shame on you, Lenny K. Uh, Page strides up to take a nice lead during the break. One of the all too few times he flashes his guitar prowess during the record. Interesting. So he's saying he's he's really not being the verbose guitar, uh, you know, solo guitar hero on this album and it's note for note simplicity says a lot for the ways in which he's come of age over the past couple of years um so there you go there's there's your uh, ancient zeppelin reviews uh there are some really quite uh, you know incendiary things said um i've got a whole bank of reviews that uh i like i say i think for next episode we'll go over uh some reviews of uh, houses of the holy 
and uh, and physical graffiti presence in through the outdoor, maybe Coda uh, as well. If you like the show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi.com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint. All I have to thank this week is Andy at Black Sugar Transmission. Uh, and uh, Augustine Garcia de Prades. Um, that's it. That's kind of my fault. You know, I, I usually do this um, this weekly reminder of the Kofi situation uh, at Facebook, but um, I've been sharing a lot of our contrarian shows and these episodes to groups, and I'm, I seem to be increasingly, the intensity is going up, getting put in Facebook jail, so I can't do much Facebook stuff. So, um, but please remember me on Kofi. This is probably the lowest it's ever been in all 400 plus episodes uh just having andy and augustine there um but uh, thank you guys uh for being such regulars uh for the whole book situation ah speaking of led zeppelin the latest book in is the pictures at 11 uh robert plant uh album by album i think that's what it's called anyways it's it's uh it's a great panel book um going through all the studio albums of Robert Plant. A lot of great concepts come up in that. You can get that at martinpopoff.com. I'm working on a couple of more, a couple more of these panel books right now because I'm really getting a lot out of these. Uh, the Blue Oyster Cult one was really good too. That's still available and the Cure one. So we've got three of these uh, through Weimar recently. And of course, I've got my bigger, uh, like the more coffee table book ones that came out a few years ago through Voyager, uh, Voyager as well. And um, uh, check out the uh, Walter Bosley channel. Um, for an interview I just did and uh, my good buddy John Gaffney at Lair uh, of the Alchemist. Um, but I've done two interviews now for the uh, the insane Perfect Water Imaginos uh, book. And Walter Bosley channel is more of a conspiracy theory, uh, occult channel, uh, speculative nonfiction, uh, wackiness uh, kind of channel. So it's out of our music realm. And so that one's a little bit refreshing, a little bit different. So you can check that out. Uh, but yes, I have the new Perfect Water, uh, the Rebel Imaginos book as well. Um, there you go. Go play some old Led Zeppelin. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology.